Hi, you're listening to Ministry of Self, a podcast where we talk about the importance of understanding the self, how others can influence who you are and why our emotions drive everything. The Ministry of Self will discuss many and varied aspects to allow you, our listener, to assess and, if necessary, reshape your emotional life. I'm Jen Cromedy and I'm joined by emotional intelligence practitioner Mike Martin. Welcome to Ministry of Self. Hi and welcome to episode four of Ministry of Self. I'm Jen Cromedy and I'm joined by Mike Martin and uh I was just having a chat to Mike before we started and I think we will um, be talking today about this concept of emotional filters, which I think we touched on the episode before. Yeah, we yeah. did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so at that time I think we explored a little bit saying that when you have emotions that are being impacted on by others, it's understanding this concept of the filtering that occurs, and I'm going to probably say this in a way that I understand it, which is there are often things that you want to do or dream that you want to have happen and things are blocking you or something's getting in your way. And it may not be obvious, it may not be a human or a particular thing that you see. It could be that there's an inbuilt emotion, fear or whatever it might be that um, ultimately is not allowing you to feel like you're okay to do what you want to do. So I thought I'd just open by saying... It's something that um, I've had a lot of time to think about, but I might just hand over to you, Mike, to talk about this idea of emotional filters. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Jen. Um, yeah, look, for the past few years, I've often wondered why um, doubts create so much doubt, if you like, and what impacts our desires and ambitions. I've got to think about it a fair bit to think, well, if we are going to filter our complete desires through say, for example, low self-esteem or impacted confidence or perhaps a, a sense of low worth, then, of course, what comes out the other end once you feed the good idea in is a far less outcome. So we go with that outcome, we obviously become disappointed because it's not at our best, but let's throw some competitors in. Let's say you had a great idea and you filtered it through your competency, which is not affected by influence? What about your creativity, which is not affected by influence? Instinct, uh, risk, smart risk, your belief and faith. All of those things are powerful inner strengths that aren't impacted by external uh, influences. So let's go back to those again. Self-esteem. Yes, we can lose self-esteem over almost anything. But if you come up with a brilliant idea and think, well, you know, it's a good idea, but I, I don't think I can have the confidence to push that through to the level that I want, so I'll just take some level of it and that'll hit a confidence button that says, yeah, well, it, it's not a great idea, I thought it was, and then our self-worth will tell us, well, it's not really of much value. <laughs> so, so then we go back and think, well, what, why did I bother when yeah. I think, well, I've got such a – I want – one of my great ideas is to be – much more accepted for being me, for example. So for me to be accepted for being me, I've got to be honest with me and say that, yeah, I've been I've been impacted by things in my world that sometimes I wanted to say things about, but I thought, nah, no one will listen, I haven't got the credibility, so I won't. Mm. 
So I got over that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I look again, I, I want to pick up just on a couple of things to start with. One is that you said um, competency versus confidence, but then this idea that creativity and other kind of, let's call them core elements to who we mm. are as a human being are untouched by those external influences that might make you feel like you either have low self-esteem or mm. you lack confidence. And I think it's not just the language we use, but, you know, people will say, I talked myself out of it. Who is talking who out of what? Yeah, like it's okay. these sorts mm. of language that people mm. use which is indicative that they're having this internal battle with who? With themselves. Mm. Why? If that's what you want to do, mm. what is it that's actually holding you back and be honest? Y- yes, that's a very good capture. One thing we need to uh, accept and understand, though, the power of emotion is so strong. Mm. Uh, when we are, uh, if you like, uh, influenced out of things, it can put us on the back foot, but the power of emotion is so much heavier than the thought of competency, for example. The power of poor confidence uh, is so much uh, heavier than understanding our competency. So it's, it's never been a fair fight because when we don't feel well emotionally, um, no matter how competent or smart or intellectual we are, we've always lost the fight to the power of emotion that's negative. So how do we get out of that? When do we start saying to ourselves, hang on, let me have another think. And we've been through in another episode of how to start thinking about your emotional history and we're still suggesting strongly that be done because that gives you a base to come to a conclusion that says, hang on, someone's telling me I've got a great intellect, they find me to be very creative and I'm taking no notice of them. I've decided to start to take notice of them. So when I've got an intellectual competency that says to me, I've got a good idea, it's a smart idea and I want to implement it, I'm going to go straight through it. Now, then I'm going to say, let me call on another asset that's not influenced badly called creativity. So then I've got a good idea. I can think about it in lots of ways. After I think about it a lot of ways, I'm going to go with my gut feel called instinct, another thing that can't be hurt by negative emotion. So I'm going to go with my competency, my creativity and instinct. I'm going to take a risk because I don't care if I get it right or not. If I don't get it right, I'll just fix it. Then I'm going to think, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to go to my belief system and where my faith is. I'm going to say, I've been listening for all these years to so many things to say that I can't do it, when in fact I suddenly realised they didn't want me to do it. Just in case I outshone something or position myself in a better spot. So, Jen, it's time to wake up and have a real think about this because emotional filters are real. We've got to get rid of every negative emotion that relates to the things that hurt us the most, like our self-esteem and our confidence and our worth, and put them in the rubbish bin that we've talked about before <laughs> yes. and start reintroducing ourselves to our competency and creative and instinct, which, of course, then caters for great and stronger mental health. And I think um, I'll just start talking about the last phrase you used around mental health because... Um, I think the world's been on a real journey around how we've come out of a global pandemic. There was an article I was reading and can I tell you my brain is pinging in many directions because I was thinking about all the other things you said but I was just reading an article about um, the rates of whether it's admissions and suicides which is not something I'd talk about lightly um, that has come out in the year 
after the major lockdowns. So it wasn't in the lockdowns during the lockdowns. It's been just more prevalent lately. And people want to understand what's actually happening to us, let's say, Mm. as a community. And that is in our personal lives, in our work lives. We've come through a massive transition. And this idea about tapping back into instinct and tapping back into you know, what you call creativity, but it's this, I mean, what is it? Because people ask me all the time and I founded Creative Geelong. I've worked in creative industries policy and we have this, what does it mean to be creative? It can be misunderstood. It's actually listening to me in my deep self mm-hmm. and it's also letting things happen almost subconsciously when you're writing or when you're speaking or when you're writing music or whatever it might be, painting. And it's the parts that... I don't, this is the thing, because once you put it out though, you do have that, let's say, emotional filter of being judged. We've talked about this before, don't be selfish, put it out there. I think it's this idea of how do we uh, tap into that self and trust that instinct and self. And then as you say, if you can go tick, tick, I'm tapping into these things and then I'm going to take that risk. Mm. It's the thing that holds so many people back, this idea of, if I take a risk and people don't like it or if they make fun of me or if I feel insecure about what I've put out there, I think this is where I would ask you, if if you're trying to help someone find that true self, what what does that look like? How does that feel like? If If you take a risk and get it wrong and someone else makes fun of it, you've exposed their insecurity, not yours. What you've exposed in you is the courage to have a go at it. And to start believing in, see, for me, creativity is nothing more than uh, having this lovely energy around an idea that you don't know the answer to yet. Well, go find it. Have a look at every dimension about it. Start thinking about, well, how does this look? Hang on, that's not right and this is not right, but this is right. So the idea that someone else can control those things uh, these days is beyond what I'll accept in anyone. Uh, we, We must understand that Uh, we are constructed upon emotion mostly. And to suddenly think, well, why am I doubting myself? Then only to find out they're not your doubts. So again, they come from external sources and we've said previously we are uh, shaped and formed by a lot of things, Uh, some of it well-intentioned but still not us, other things not so well-intentioned, which is a reflection, as I said, of uh, what they want for us, not what we want. So I think, Jen, the idea is to start again, have another look at ourselves, take our intellect as a base product, have a look at all the things we've achieved that we've never really acknowledged ourselves for and uh, use that as a base and then start freeing up our minds to look at things differently. So our process of looking at things now, it seems to me that there's perfection out there, for example. Perfection is the killer of all things. Perfection is being 100% effective at 50% of your ability, I would think, in those terms. So how do you how do you tap in? Yeah, well, okay, we'll just do it. <laughs> just make a decision. Say, all yes. right then, all right, that's easy for you to say, mate. Well, I'll tell you what, who's going to stop you? Are yeah. you going to let the influencers stop you again or mm. is it your day? Mm. Is it your day to think it through and say, righto then, I'll start, will you help me? Yes, of course, because we'll help you. If you help us understand you, then we know what to support, not what we guess at. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to end up talking about myself, but, you know, hey. It's all right. <laughs> um, the, uh, 
the, the immediate thought I have is that, uh, you know, I've, I've lived and worked in Geelong for a long time. I've been elsewhere, but, you know, here for a lot of my life. And uh, I, I've, I'm never short of an idea, let's say. And um, I've got a way that I've sort of instinctually, I suppose, developed a method where if I've got an idea, and I don't think it's because I lack an, an, an understanding of what I can do right so I think I've got an idea around let's say the competency that I might have but part of what I try and do is talk to people who I think are interested and or you know support me and or we've got shared ideas and start getting the feedback which I think I talked about in an earlier episode I got some Mm -hmm. great feedback for some people on a project I'm working on but by doing that the amount that I get from them is deep and rich but then their faces and their eyes and their thoughts and their enthusiasm is something that's like this gift that mm-hmm. you, you, I forget. I forget how great the interaction is when you're actually sharing something with someone uh, and not only do I, as I say, get the benefit of their wisdom, their ideas, you know, critiques, whatever it is, uh, it's the connection that we've brought together. So I feel like it's not – I'm not saying I'm de-risking it but what I'm doing is creating a, a like a group, a quorum, a – yeah, a circle that mm. that enables me to kind of make the idea better before I then maybe push it out there. To take a deep breath and to subtly make a decision that you're going to go with your own assets is a great start because, uh, as you say, Jen, when other people talk with you, you're benefiting them and allowing them to be themselves because you have an invitational character and you're asking people to contribute based on what they really feel. So that's what we're really talking about. Then you're having a proper conversation. Also, we've got to understand that our natural skills such as competency and instinct and our natural confidence are quiet. As distinct with emotional harm, if you like, is noisy. And again, getting back to our original point, that's why we find it so hard to get through the emotional pain, to get to the competency, because emotional pain is so noisy in our head, whereas our natural competencies are quiet. So we need to go quiet. We need to go quiet and listen to those things that uh, whoever you believe in gave you. Wherever it came from, it belongs to you. They're natural assets. And I have this great fear, Jen, that most people will live and pass away without ever knowing what that is. Mm. And we, we need to start having the right conversations to draw to people's attention. I'm sorry, I'm not sure you're feeling well, but what I'm seeing is something special. So please listen to me if you're not going to listen to you as a first base and then start listening to you to dig out what's naturally yours and you probably haven't ever enjoyed yet. It just reminded me immediately of uh, every year and I think it's during Palliative Care Week or something Mm. along those lines or World Palliative Care Day uh, and I'm on the board of Anamkara House which is a community hospice but we have a wall that's called Before I Die Mm. and people, it's just a public blackboard ward wall that people can write what they want or what they hope or what they dream for and I usually well I usually write on it but I read what people write and sometimes it's so simple and it can be so painful but beautiful to read it and you're like how can people live their lives not thinking that this can be accomplished but the act of Mm. them doing it I can imagine would be really powerful for them Mm. but just reading what people hope for 
they're often very, let's say, simple but challenging. It might be, you know, to see my sister again because we've had an argument or, you know, mm. whatever it might be. Uh, mm. But that wall I found really powerful. I think 80 years of lost opportunities written on a wall mm. is sort of really relating to what we're saying. Yeah. And uh, again, the agelessness of all this, it doesn't matter where you're at. It's time to have a, a think about who we really are, what our real assets are and start digging them up again and using them as new assets too because forget forget about the fact that we haven't used them. They're new assets you can start to learn about. If you suddenly realise you've got a high competency that you've never had confidence with, I mean that can balloon into something pretty special pretty quickly. So again, I totally agree that uh, no good getting to the end and thinking, gee, I wish I'd have done that. I mean, if you if you walk past a gravesite and it says, oh, here lies a very good person, I'm going to keep walking. Mm. If I walk past one that said, here lies an absolute sod of a thing, I'm going to sit there and read it because, <laughs> ah, there's a life well lived. But, Jen, the point I'm making is you so often hear that it's too hard and it's not right and it can't happen. Yes, it can because when it gets down to it, we're born on our own, uh, even if we have twins, and we die on our own. So doesn't that tell us that we're actually in charge of our life? And you go back again, you think about what we're talking about today and that's the emotional filters. Uh, if we start thinking that our, the purpose of our life is defined by others, it's not right in any way. And if we want great mental health, great relationships, great careers of any kind, then we need to start tapping back into who we are and to go, and I've actually worked some profiling opportunities out for people to go back and discover what those competencies really are and the creativity that goes with it. And I'm having great fun with it because people call me funny names to say to me, well, you can't know that. Well, yes, I can because you're telling me, but not in the words you're telling me. You're telling me in the urgency underneath that you want to tell me, which is a fascinating thing to look a little deeper into personalities and you think, well, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm not listening to you because you're boring me to death. I'm actually listening to the heart and soul of you. That's giving me the real information. Oh, spooky mic's coming out. <laughs> uh, spooky. So I know we're not videotaping this, but my facial expressions probably <laughs> explain a bit. Uh, so I'm trying to understand this a bit more. So even more recently, we haven't spoken about this outside of today, but I feel like I've been reflecting a lot on when I'm with people and sort of feeling, let's say, vibe energy mm. uh, and a lot of the time and and maybe this can be seen as <laughs> i don't know if it's a negative but sometimes i'm not hearing what people are saying you just kind of get what they're trying to say mm. and i think there's this moment where uh you know you have a, a sense in a room in a meeting when you're with someone that you know you can sort of understand how they're actually feeling about it as opposed to what they're actually saying. Yes. So that being said, you were talking about um, tapping into the the creativity and I can't remember the other word, was it intuition or yes. competency, that's right, yeah. around the people. So when you are thinking about uh, someone, and I'll use an example, so say someone's come out of, you know, a lot of trauma and, um, you know, I've, I've actually run programs, or not run them, I've supported programs where it was called returnships. So it was actually supporting often older people, not old, old, but mm. older people who are returning to the workforce as opposed to an internship. 
and they'd come from caring responsibilities. And I had, and this was in the Creative Geelong Hub, I had a woman, I think, who was either caring for a relative who'd passed. Uh, sometimes it's obviously maybe caring for children. It might be people who have, you know, caring needs. But these people come back into the returnship, a work environment. And what I learned really quickly was they had some skills that they were interested in using but and competencies but the issue was they just had lost this ability to feel like they were worthy or they'd been out of let's say the workforce and they felt like they had no networks or connections and so regardless of the work they did which was often fantastic um, it, it was actually about that human connection bringing them into a space where they got to meet lots of different people engage get to know them feel like they could be part of a community again and I think there was an incredibly high rate of the people that went through this program that went and got employment and of course the government then didn't fund it but after mm -hmm. that but I suppose my long-winded way of saying that when people feel as though they've been through a really either difficult or traumatic or time-consuming part of their life that has taken them away from let's say a passion or work getting them into an environment where they f feel like they're going to be um, challenged and meet people and feel equipped that they can continue was the biggest lesson I learned out of that. It wasn't them learning how to use a computer, can mm. I say? Yeah. yeah. I, I think what's really fascinating about that, Jen, is that sometimes big events force us into our natural state. And so therefore, well, okay, I'm, I'm now, I've got an injury, I can't do this and that. So you have to call on different resources and then you're not going to call on the old influences, let me assure you. You are going to call, perhaps for the first time, on your real talents and your real competencies. Isn't it interesting that you take a big event to actually bring that to play? Well, we shouldn't need a big event to bring that to play. We should be thinking about who are we today and what can we do today? Let's go ahead and make a dozen mistakes to be brilliant at the end. Let's not worry about anyone who has the audacity to criticise what we're doing in order to make them feel well. Let's keep making the mistakes until we get to a point where now I'm happy with that. But, but you're right about big events. I've known people a long time. I've only heard their real intelligence when they're in a chair where they can't get out from. I've only heard their real intelligence when uh, they've been diagnosed with dementia. And I find this fascinating to the point where I think, well, what, what were you doing in those 50 years? What were you doing in those 40 years? Only to find out that they followed the lead. They followed the leader of some kind. And our intention, Jen, is to draw to the attention that those days can stop. It sounds dramatic. It sounds like a big deal. But I'll tell you, when you're up against it, when you're in peril and you have to save yourself, Guess what? There's no influence that can save you, only you. So where do those forces come from? Where does all that come from when you really need it in a desperate position? They come from your natural place. So we succeed, uh, we, uh, we recover, and then what do we do? Let the influences come back again. So there's a fair bit of learning to do, Jen, but I think it's a wonderful thing and I'd love to see every young person who doesn't like their life start to think about the fact that, first of all, mate, someone loves you, so there's a bit of responsibility here. But not just that, to suddenly have a vision that's not based on influence. Have a vision that's based on what you know about yourself at a young age and what you can develop so that you're in a position, say you're in charge, and all you do from then on 
is call for the help you need. Call for the help you want. And don't rely on anything other than genuine support from people who want you to succeed. And give up the ones that you know positioned your mind uh, for their purposes. And sometimes, as I said before, sometimes not intentional, but nevertheless the same effect. So, so when you talk, so I suppose there's a couple of ways I will kind of interpret it, is that if you are behaving in a way that's maybe not the natural self and motivated by the things that you want to instinctually do, and you said you're just, I think you said following the leader or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, the way I see it is that it's often not even a person. It can be just the um, prevailing societal norms, let's yeah. say. Yeah. So, I'll, again, I'll use myself as an example, which is there's, I suppose I felt there was imposed expectations on me for certain periods of my life where I've thought I need to, I, I should or have to do this job because that is what is expected or I need to earn this money type because that's, again, what is expected. And the thing is, even though there might be times where I enjoyed that work or grew during the experience, I got so busy, so busy that there was just literally no time to do anything else other than almost just exist and I think there was a part of me also where I packed my life with so many things so I perhaps didn't have to kind of think properly about yeah. that, perhaps what was important. And I feel is so many people I've spoken to are kind of almost escaping themselves through chasing what they think is expected of them as opposed to one person telling them what to do. It's this mm. kind of group think that happens so I probably would leave it there and say I, I can see that much more clearly now. Yeah, of course. And I think we sometimes misinterpret loneliness as an opportunity to be on our own, to think for ourselves because so many people out there don't like being on their own. They don't like the space to think. But because it's probably telling us that we're not very happy. But we need to go through those things to almost uh, reconstitute our heart and say to ourselves, well, hang on, if I'm, if I'm on my own and there's no noise and I'm not happy, there must be something going on that I don't understand. And to me, that's just a question of, again, going back through, finding out how you got there and how to redefine your life and take up the lovely skills and creativities you've got. And risk and vulnerability, to me, are the two greatest life assets. Uh, both... Both guarantee nothing, but they're both key drivers, non-influenced by anything, but they're from the soul and spirit and they're powerful. And the more you use risk and vulnerability, the higher you're going to go in your own realm because that's the pathway. If we had a pathway that was easy, uh, we would lead nowhere or would lead somewhere that's very ordinary compared to where we should be. If we take a pathway that is vulnerable and back our courage, uh, there's no there's no heights you can't reach. And for all of us that think that's not possible, I know many people that have reached that through that method that sit on top of their life and think, well, that was successful. And I'll tell you, for every win they had, they had about a dozen stuff-ups behind it, which is why they won. So again, when you're feeling lonely, use the time to think about what's right for you. Don't, don't allow it to just be that sorrowful, depressing time driven by the fact uh, that it's not really 
your real thoughts occurring when you feel like that. Get back into some hard work mentally. Uh, Take yourself somewhere to a place where you can think for you. And when you find time and space, love it and enjoy it. Because that's the rarest thing out there now. And I think for for all of us, uh, uh, let your technology be what it is. Get your own mind back into some friendly space. Uh, Grow in the springtime, settle in the autumn, keep warm in the winter and wear sunscreen in the summer. (laughs) And, And let your mind do all those things with you. Yeah, I. So this. So you started off talking about loneliness, and uh, I've had that conversation with some people over the years around it being a significant issue, let's say, or concern in mm-hmm. our society. But I'll go back and say that a lot of women I know, particularly if they've got children or caring responsibilities, it's really unusual for them to actually be alone. The amount of women who might go, oh, I had a moment so I went shopping or I had I had like one half an hour where I had a bath. Like it's the most incredible thing that they've been able to achieve and I think about that myself and, um, you know, I had a child when I was reasonably young and so I was actually reflecting on this recently when my last child left off into the world uh, and the the opportunities I have now to be truly alone are more than I've ever had in my life mm-hmm. and it's unusual and it feels a bit weird and you do have this sort of thought process where you're like, well, what now? What am mm-hmm. I going to do? And I've tried to, as much as possible, learn how to really treasure and, and relish that and just sort of sit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is incredibly unusual for me. It's only been in the last three or four years. I think it is for most. Mm. And I think the way the world is, it speeds along and mm. doesn't give us a chance to do the things we need to do to sustain our mental health and our emotional health. But I, I, I just I just uh, am always been of the mind that you should have a life calendar. And a life calendar where you block out time for you and you stick to that. And an, I don't an almanac. I was yes, thinking almost. when you were talking about the seasons. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and make sure that... Uh, the time for you is there mm. and I do it and uh, I've even got businesses doing their seasonal calendars where they block out times where they're not available so you can't be over busy. But the live calendar to me is going to win every important event, say for 12 months, you've got written down and you put it on the wall. Don't put it on your screen, put it on the wall so that you can look at it, so that you're the priority. And don't forget, when you're the priority, those you love get all of you. When you don't make yourself the priority, they don't. And they'll miss you and you'll make them lonely along with yourself. Mm. So uh, my suggestion is uh, set your life up the way you need it to be. Don't let anyone take time from you. And don't ever think, I should be busier than this. Yeah, and I think we've spoken for half an hour, would you believe, now, mm-hmm. Michael? So what I would say is, um, yeah, this this culture around I'm busy, I've got to fit you in the calendar. Mm. It's only been in the last three or four months where I've literally gone, hey, mm. I've got – you let me know <laughs> when you can catch up because I'm trying to create more time to be able to do things that hopefully are – you talked about risk and vulnerability and that's the other thing I didn't pick you up on mm. to talk about which is even doing a podcast talking about these issues a risk and vulnerability 
is wrapped up in a lot of this yes. in my head. Mm-hmm. So I need to t- sort of go, okay, that's okay. That's okay. And this is something that, you know, I personally get a lot of value and hope then others will. But it's got elements of risk and there's vulnerability involved as well. There's no way out of it. Uh, risk puts us into our own competency range mm. and vulnerability means we have to uh, have a belief in ourselves. Mm. And with those two working together, it can't really go wrong. Might leave that as the lesson for today. Okay. <laughs> but um, I just want to thank Mike and uh, hopefully you've um, gained some benefit from listening to this episode and, and we'll hear from you soon next time. Bye. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for listening to the Ministry of Self podcast. Mark and I believe that it's for all of us to think about who we really are or what we can become if we're emotionally strong and fulfilled. The gifts accorded to us such as creativity, skills, beliefs and strengths are all much more enhanced when linked to our healthy emotions. If you're interested to reach out, you can contact us via the links in this podcast description. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you keep listening to the Ministry of Self podcast.